The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Life is good and life needs to be lived to the fullness, but it can only be lived to the fullness when we truly know Jesus Christ. He is the author of life and he is the one who gives us life. In him, life is to be found. You know what? We spend so much of our time struggling to find life in things, events, happenings, whether it be a barbecue or something like that, a few drinks, something to relax. We're always looking for something to bring us life. Life is found in Jesus Christ. Life is found in relationship with God. Do you have relationship with God? Do you? It's time to ask ourselves this. Do you have relationship with God? I hope that's why you're here, because you have relationship, or you're looking to have relationship, or you're looking to find out about relationship, but you come to a church like this because you want to find out about God. The reason that I am here is because I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. I want to understand Him. I want to have fellowship with Him. I want to have communion with Him. I want to know the living God walking with me, helping me, raising me up. Yes, through difficult times. We all go through difficult times. We all have challenges that come in our lives, whether it be financial, relational, all sorts of challenges that we have and that we face from day to day. Children, they're a challenge at times. Oops, there's some of my children here. But they are a challenge. They can be a challenge. As they grow older, they have different experiences that they're going through, that you walk through with them. This is life. But we were created by God for Him. That's what the Bible says right at the very beginning. And this morning, by the way, we're going to be starting a new series. I must remember that because time is very short. God's way, doing the will of God. That's what we're going to be looking at. We're starting this new series, which is helping us to understand what does God have to say about his will? What is his will? What is his way? Which is the way I should be walking? What are the things that he has to tell me about relationships, about walking with people, about dealing with people, about living life? What does he have to say to me to help me on that journey? That's what we're going to be looking at through this series. And really today, I want to just lay a very simple foundation. I want to go right back to the beginning of Genesis. I want to lay a foundation of what God's will is and how mankind has fallen away from that perfect will that God established. Right at the very beginning, and Paul writes this in Colossians, as I've just said it, he said that God, everything was made by God and for God. Everything that was made was made by God and it was made for him. He made creation. He made the whole world. He made the universe. Last week when we were out in Portugal at night, it was much clearer and you could see the stars. And it's amazing, you know, when you look up at the stars, because they've got clear nights. I don't know whether you often go outside. Often we have cloud at night. But if you have a clear night and you can go out and look at the stars, go out and look at the stars. We don't see them often enough. Because you look at them and there's an amazement. What is all this? It's hidden most of the time. You might see the moon or something in the sun, and you see, obviously see the sun during the day. But all those stars, they're hidden. Well, they're not there. And suddenly at night, oh my goodness, what's going on? When you come to read in, uh, in uh, Genesis, 
You read in this throwaway line, oh, and he also made the stars. He also made the stars? Everything was created by him and for him. And we are part of that creation. He has created mankind for his purposes. God has a plan. God has a design. He is a designer. Often one of the arguments that people put forth about whether there is a God. You know, is there a God? Yes, there is a God. Look at creation. Look at the design of creation. Behind this whole universe, there is the hand of a designer. And there's lots we could say about this. The seasons. The fact that we have seasons. The fact that we have hot and cold. The fact that we have plants that come up at the right time. And all sorts of things. And the way that the whole of creation holds together. All of that comes together because there is a designer. Because there is a creator. Because there is somebody who is behind it. God has a plan and a design for all of creation. And that includes you. And if you didn't know it, you are special to God. You are special. You can even push your neighbor and say, you're special, but I'm very special. (laughs) I'm special. I am special to God. You are special to God. He created you for His purposes. You are not forgotten. You are not overlooked. Overlooked by the almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. No, he knows where you are. He knows the purpose of your life and he is watching out for you. It's, do you know what? We can't really take it in because if we could, we would be just like, what? The one who has created the heavens, he cares about you. He knows what's going on in your life. Oh, but if he, heard, if he could see what I'm going through, he does know. He knows everything about you and he cares for you. And you know what? As I go through this this morning, in my mind as I've been preparing for this, it just underlines to me all the more, I hardly even begin to know how much God is for us. How much he is for us. You know in the Bible, in the beginning, and Genesis, by the way, is beginnings. It's the book of beginnings. And so if you want to read about the beginning of the heavens and the earth and us, then go to the book of Genesis. It's a great book. It's, some people think it's complicated. I, I don't, well, it is complex, but it's not complicated. It's a great story to read through. And you've got there the beginnings of all things, how God created the heavens and the earth, how he made man. And you can see, as he's, the comment that God makes is, as he makes various parts of the earth, the heavens, the earth, he says it's good. God says it's good. But when he creates man, he says this is very good. Very good. You know what? He created man out of the dust of the earth. He created a body. And he breathed into that body his spirit. And it says that man became a living being. There's a body. And inside that body, created out of the dust of the earth, there is a spirit And man was made a living being. He was made a living being that was going to last forever. That's what he was made. And God created that and he said, I've created this in my own image, in my own likeness. And he said, this is very good. And God was very pleased with what he had created. So what caused all the problems with mankind? What caused all the disruption? What disrupted 
this God, this designer's perfect plan, what came in and caused all the disruption. In a simple word, the word would be disobedience. Disobedience. No longer wanting to follow God's way. That was what caused disruption. It's what caused a problem for mankind. Disobedience. I just want to look at the original design that God had. The original plan is this, that God is the supreme ruler. He is the one who has created everything. It says of God, and we need to remember this of God, God is, so I'm just looking at the time and thinking, I've got to get through. Um, God is the only uncreated one. Remember that, he is uncreated. That's what makes him different from us. He is uncreated. He is eternal. He has always been. And out of his always having been and always being, he created, he made the heavens and the earth and human beings. But God is always, he is always. He's always been there. He always has been. He always will be. He is the eternal one. And he created us. He is the supreme ruler of the universe. But when he made the earth and he made man, he said to man, I want you to be ruler over the earth. So if you want an authority structure, you know, like if you want to know who his boss is, his line manager, man's line manager is God. Our line manager is God. Because God is over everything, but he has appointed over the earth that man would rule over the earth. So that's the assignment that we have, that we have been sent to rule over. So man is given this delegated responsibility over the earth to rule over the earth. And in a sense, man is accountable to God for the way he treats animals, for the way he treats his fellow beings. He's accountable to God for those things because he's a delegated ruler. But he has freedom to rule over and indeed to bring rule to the earth. And man was given a rule of conduct by God to follow. God said to Adam, the first man, he said, I want you to work. I know we complain about work, but work is good for us. Do you know what? We actually enjoy being busy. Mm-hmm. Nobody put their hand up if they don't, okay? Because I know there's ups and downs we have in our workplace, but work is good for us. It, it actually provides a fulfillment for us. Which, incidentally, is why it is so difficult for people who are unemployed or who can't find a job. Because there's a, there's a sense of like, where's my purpose? And we need to remember that because God has created us for work. He put man in the garden to work. Do you know what? He had a great job. It's not like a farmer now or you know, having to do weeding. Do you realize there were no weeds? All he had to do was like, sort of do a bit of hoeing. Oh, oh, there's another vegetable. Oh, I'll just pick that. Oh, there's another bit of fruit. I'll pick that. It's just like easy going, but great fun. Everything was great. Everything was, you know, was growing so magnificent. Oh, I'm going to cut that back a little bit. Bit more growth. It's supreme. There was no hassles, no weeds or anything like that. He had a great job. So that's what he set man to do. I want you to go and work in the garden and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it for him and God also said to man I want you to follow this command and I know that many of you know this but as we go through it I hope I bring some fresh understanding the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil 
for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Fairly simple instruction, don't we agree? It's quite clear, isn't it? Look, there is a tree and it's called the knowledge of good and evil. That particular tree, do not eat from it. Why? It's quite simple. If you eat from that tree, you will die. Do we understand that? Yeah. Did Adam understand it? Yeah, he did. He understood it so much that at this point, don't forget, there was Adam by himself. But he understood it so much that when his wife came along, Eve, he told her. Because she knew that. So he passed that information on. By the way, we're free to eat any tree here. From any tree. Oh, by the way, but not that one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We mustn't eat from that one. Okay, that's fair enough. And so in the Garden of Eden, we see order. There's an order about things. God has set things in place. There is an order. Man is doing his work. There's rules. There's regulations. This is part of God's way. There are always going to be rules and regulations. Do you have rules and regulations in your office where you work? Yes. Some of you are saying yes. Some of you aren't so. Do you have rules and regulations in your home the way your home runs? Yes. Because it's part of life. Rules and regulations are part of life. And guess what? Rules and regulations are part of what God had established. That is his way. Do you hear me? God has a way. And there are rules and regulations about his way. And he had passed those on to Adam. There was good relationship. Adam had great relationship with God. Unhindered relationship. There was great fellowship. There was great instruction and passing on of information from one to another. There was peace and joy in the Garden of Eden. Everything was great until a day of deception came along. A day when man walked away from God's way. He decided to follow his own way. Let's read in Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 6 where it says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now this deception that came to Eve happened through a process. God's rules and regulations, as it were, were put under the spotlight by the serpent. He was saying to Eve, did God really say are you sure that's what he said are you sure are you quite certain that that's what God said you see he challenges Eve's thinking and he brings pressure on her thinking he distorts the truth because he says you will not die God had said if we eat from that tree you will die you won't die no 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 You're not going to die, but if you eat the fruit from that tree, you are going to become like God. You're going to become like him. Your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. 
Now, don't forget, up to this point in time, Eve had no concept of what evil was. This is like, well, what's all this about then? I don't understand this. God said that you shouldn't eat from that tree. God said if you eat from it, you're going to die. But now I'm hearing this. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. You are going to become like him. Your eyes are going to be opened. Hang on, there's something you've been missing out on here. Did you know that you've been missing out on this? No, 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 don't worry about what God said. Did you know that you're going to be missing out? You're going to become like God if you eat from this. And you know what? If I carry on like this long enough, all of us here are going to think like, do you know what? That's a blooming good idea that she ate that fruit. It is. Why? Because in our minds, we're thinking, like, hang on a second, why is God holding out on us? Why is he hiding stuff from us? Why did he tell us we're going to die when I'm now hearing I'm not going to die? Why did he do this? Why? Do you know what? And you know what? For Eve, there came a point when her shifted, she'd shifted in her thinking from that point of saying, like, I'm going to stay away from that tree, to saying, like, I'm going to go and have some of that fruit right now. And she went and she took some of that fruit and she ate it. She was thinking that the serpent was actually doing her a favor, that God had been withholding things from her and Adam. And you know what? The fruit did actually look good. And as that change came into her thinking, the choice was made, and she is, that's it. I've eaten that fruit. Now, what happened at that point of eating? Let's read on, because everything changed. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings from themselves then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. At that moment of eating, immortality was changed for mortality. And eternal life was changed to mortality. God had quite clearly said to Adam, if you eat that fruit, you will surely die. And God wasn't lying when he said that. Literally, it means in the Hebrew, a death thou shalt die. That's what it means. A death. You're going to die a death. And literally from that moment on, mankind, Adam and Eve, became mortal and they continued in a, what is now described as a dying state. Do you know what? One thing that we're all certain of here, certain of, is that none of us is going to live forever. We know that. We don't talk about it. 
Why? Because we don't want to think about it. I want to think about tomorrow. I want to think about when I'm going to live. But one thing we all know is that we're going to die. Because you see, we're living in a dying state. Why? Because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And you know what? The serpent said, you're not going to die. He was deceiving them because they did change from immortality to mortality. Yes, it wasn't that they dropped dead at that moment in time. That's it. Finished. Not like something completely, you know, the, the, the stopper had come out and all the air had come out of them, as it were, all the life had come out of them. That didn't happen. But what did happen is immediately they ate that fruit. They went from immortality to mortality. And they now became beings that were alive but were dying, just as we are here today because we are suffering from the sin that Adam and Eve created, that brought into the world. We're suffering from that. And so literally they are living in a dying state. And it's not only that you die physically, they died spiritually from that moment in time. Because the life of God that they had, that connection with God, was severed at that moment. What a dreadful day that the way that the designer had planned for them to live that way was now shattered. That way was cast aside. That way was no longer in place. Sin is this disastrous effect of disobeying what God's plans are. And it had entered the scene of their lives on that day. Sin is described later in the Gospels. John, I think it is, describes it as lawlessness. A disregard for the ways, the laws, the commands, the instructions that God had left. That is what sin is. So when we sin, what we're really saying is, I don't care about those things that you want me to do, God. I want to do what I want to do. That's what we do. It says that not only was immortality changed to mortality, but it says that their eyes were opened. As Adam and Eve uh, ate this forbidden fruit... The eyes of both of them were opened, is what it says in Genesis 3, verse 7. Independence arose within man. Because some understanding, some new knowledge was imparted to him. That knowledge of good and evil had now come through eating that fruit. So it's like something new had happened in them. And they did have new knowledge, but it wasn't knowledge that was helpful. It was knowledge that was destructive because now they had experienced sin. And the consequences for Adam and Eve were confusion and shame. For the first time ever, they felt guilt. Have you ever felt guilt? When you've done something you know you shouldn't have done? Have you ever felt that feeling inside of like, I feel horrible? Suddenly they were feeling horrible. And it's like, I've got no frame of reference from this. Where does this come from? I'm now feeling horrible. I'm now feeling shamed. I'm now feeling guilty because their innocence, literally the innocence that they had, was lost at that moment. The serpent knew that while Adam and Eve were dependent upon God, they would be totally protected by him. They were under his covering. And so he sought to seduce them away from that dependence upon God, that trusting in God's way. And as they came away from that dependence, so there's a vulnerability that came to them. And that that 
the serpent was able to use to separate them from God with his deception. Adam and Eve now saw that they were naked. You know what? It's nothing new. They were naked before. They didn't have any clothes. They weren't bothered about it. They didn't have any, they had complete freedom when being naked. But now, they felt they, a shame had come upon them. They needed to be covered. They've not understood this before. Their minds were now confused. That horrible feeling of guilt came upon them. Their judgment was clouded. With one bite of a fruit, so much had moved. In Romans, Paul says the wages of sin is death. And Ezekiel the prophet declares the soul that sins will die. They seem to have lost sound judgment. You know, for them, the understanding of what was truly praiseworthy, what was truly worthy of lifting up, the name of God, the worship of God, that had been lost by them. Because now instead of worrying about how great God was, they're worried about, oh my goodness, I need to get some clothes. Now even if we reflect our own lives, don't we have worries like that now? Oh my goodness, what am I going to wear? We're worried about our appearance more than we're worried about the glory of God. And that is something that had happened to them. They seem to have lost that ability to have correct thinking. It got moved. They also seem to have lost the ability to be able to reflect. It was only a short while before that Adam was naming the animals and now he doesn't even seem to be able to understand that God knows everything, that God is everywhere present, that God sees all things. He's oblivious to that. He's just, he's trying to hide. What an idiot. How can you hide from God? None of us can hide from God. But man, he thinks, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll hide. I'll tuck myself away, I'm naked, I'm ashamed. All of these things have happened. Now look, there's very quickly, and guys, you can come up. The key points for us to understand. Because of falling into temptation and the committing of sin, man now, he now tries to seek knowledge by an incorrect, unlawful means in any and every way but without God. He tries to seek knowledge by an incorrect method. Man has now become independent. You know what? This is a reflection of why we find prayer so difficult. Because independence has come into the spirit of man. Beforehand, prayer is easy because I must connect with God. He is my overseer. He is the supreme one. He is the one who can lead me and guide me in all ways. He is the one that I need. And out of that need of his guidance, we pray. But as we become independent, and we can see this in our own lives, the more independent we are, the less prayerful we will be. The more of a struggle it will be because we have become disconnected from Him. And it's a result of what Adam and Eve did. This is a result of the corruption of sin. Man now is seeking knowledge out of what he can do rather than going to the one who knows all things. He's become independent and becomes prayerless. He is removed from the true knowledge of God and he seeks privacy. He seeks hiddenness for himself. He seeks to tuck himself away. The consequences of sin are expressed. He is shameful. We've already talked about this. 
I heard you in the garden, I was afraid. I was naked, so I hid. Fear comes in, he says, I was afraid. They saw that they had been deceived by Satan and were now exposed to death and punishment. But hang on a second, wasn't what that Satan had said that that's not going to happen? But you see, he had deceived them. He had deceived them. And also, we see arising not only shame and fear, but we see blame. It's not my fault. The woman gave me, she gave me the fruit to eat. And when God looks at Eve, well, it's not my, it's the, it's the serpent. He deceived me. How often when we get caught out, do we want to shift the blame? It's not me. It's somebody else. Shame, fear, blame. These are all consequences of what happens when we sin. When mankind no longer keeps to God's way, disastrous consequences follow. And you know, this is our problem today. But you know what amazes me about this God who had created everything? You know when we talk about Satan and when God encountered Satan, you know what he did with Satan when he found that Satan was trying to get his position? What did he do? He cast him out of heaven immediately. Look at what happens when man sins. God comes calling for him. Where are you? Where are you? Can I come and find Adam, Eve, where are you? He comes looking for them. God doesn't cast them out. He seeks them out. Even though they have sinned. God knew everything about it. He knew that they'd fallen into temptation. He knew that they had eaten the fruit. And yet he wanted to do something. What does God do? He clothes them in animal skins. He seeks to cover their guilt. Do you know what? This is the God who does this for us. For we sin, what does he do? Does he cast us out? No, he pursues us because he wants to bring salvation to us. He wants to get us out of our way, the sinful way. He wants to bring us back into his way, the righteous way. And so he pursues mankind. What the enemy sought for our bad, if you like, for our wrong, for our utter destruction... God wanted to put right, and as I will bring to you later, not today. So he sent his one and only son, who came to live in a body upon this earth, so that he might live a righteous life, he might live a life according to God's way, so that he could carry the sin and the punishment of what we had done wrong, so that we, through Jesus may be brought back into the wholeness of the purposes of God for our lives. So that we might know freedom from shame, that we might know freedom from fear, and that we may no longer be a blaming type of people, but a people who look to God and declare, this is what He has done for me, so that I might be set free. So this morning, I want to declare to everyone here what happened in the Garden of Eden. And it's difficult for me to describe what is the worst day in the Bible. Was it that day when Satan tempted Eve to sin and that they ate that fruit? Was that the worst day? Or was the worst day when Jesus went to the cross 
to pay the punishment for that first worst day. I don't know which was the worst day, but I know this. Jesus went to the cross and he paid a price for my sin and for your sin. He paid a price for the fact that I walk continually trying to do life in my own strength, that I'm not bothered about connecting with God because I need to know his ways. He paid a price for me to be forgiven for that rebellion. And he has brought me back into relationship with God. He is the only one who can restore the relationship. He's the only one who can restore the order. And you know what? Many of us have tried to do good things, have tried to live the right way, but there is only one way that we can live. That is by trusting that Jesus has done it for us and that we can find freedom and forgiveness through the power of his blood. So Jesus was crucified. Jesus was buried in a tomb because he showed that the consequences of sin is death. And it took death to be the right punishment before God. But did Jesus stay in the tomb? No. And you see the importance of that. Because he declared before everybody, death has no authority over me. And what the enemy tried to do to break the body, to break the power of life, to change immortality to mortality, Jesus showed that he had done the reverse. I have become mortal, has now changed to immortality because he has risen from the dead. There is power in the life of Jesus Christ. There's power to overcome. There's power to change the effects of sin in our lives. There's power to set you free from the captivity of sin and death. There is power to bring you back from the wrong way that we have gone, to bring us back into the right way, the life of God. It is only by the blood of Jesus that we can be set free and that we can be changed. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can set us free. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.